Welcome, welcome back to Thoughts May Vary. Boy, do we have a psychedelic episode for you. Do you like what I did there? <laughs> I do, Meadow. I sure do. Today, we are joined by the Better You founders, Dr. Sam Zand and Derek Duchesne. And this episode is so packed. We're getting right into it, baby. Better You is an organization that is a science-backed, holistic approach to mental wellness, and they offer healing at home with psychedelic therapy. So their mission is to transform mental health and psychiatry from a treat illness model into a thought expansive neurological reset and spiritual health model. If that doesn't sound like thoughts may vary, I don't know what does. They have a lot of really amazing programming. So most notably, they do online ketamine-assisted therapy treatments, but they also offer breathwork and holistic psychiatry and integrative coaching. You're going to learn more about Better You and what that means, but let's also get into a bit about our founders. Because they're very amazing, let me just say. After initial psychedelic medicine research at Johns Hopkins University, Dr. Sam Zand began treating patients clinically with ketamine in 2019. Dr. Zand teaches psychedelic medicine rotations to psychiatry residents and medical students. And Derek was in the holistic wellness space for years. And then through his own lived experience story, which is incredible and you'll hear all about in today's episode, he came upon ketamine treatments that changed his life. And from there, partnered with Dr. Zand in order to make breakthrough mental health treatments more accessible. Derek and Dr. Zand are dedicated to increasing education to end the stigma that surrounds mental health topics, advancing the integration of psychiatry and psychedelic medicine, and making clinically proven innovative breakthrough therapies more accessible for all. We totally understand that there is a very heavy stigma attached to any sort of psychedelic medicine, but it would not be thoughts may vary if we did not address these conversations and have these conversations. Yeah, and look, you're talking to two co-hosts who span oftentimes on different, yep. on different part of the spectrums. And you'll hear me throughout yep. the episode, like, uh, you know, we, I totally hear the hesitancy around new treatments. And at the same time, I'm so excited about the accessibility and I'm so open to learning more about it. So listen. And meanwhile, I'm running to go try it myself. I want to be the number one guinea pig. <laughs> if you hear ketamine therapy and you're a little frightened, like, don't worry. I encourage you to listen to today's episode because our guests are so incredibly knowledgeable. There is just so much science-backed research exactly. here. It's been going on since the 50s and people don't talk about it because the war on drugs ruined everything and it's just starting to come to light again and the potential that this modality has is unprecedented. Even if you don't are not interested in it for yourself, just to be interested in the collective healing of the world, it's worth listening to and finding out about. I think it's a really expansive conversation just in general. Okay, so let's talk about a bit of what we talk about. So basically, it's it's a giant breakdown of ketamine therapy treatment. So we talk about what is ketamine and how physician-assisted ketamine therapy can support our mental health. We talk about the stigma behind it, of course, and the difference between recreational usage and these physician-assisted ketamine treatment modalities, who it is and isn't for long-term health data, addiction risk, dosage. We talked about if you're a psychedelic early, you'll understand this, the importance of set, setting, and integration. And then Dr. Sam is also very similar to me in terms of seeing how bringing in the aspects of spiritual healing seems like the future of mental health. So we kind of talked about their experience and thoughts behind that and where they see the future of psychiatry and mental wellness going. And also similar to finding a right therapist for you, we spoke a lot about what to look for in a ketamine therapy treatment center to ensure that you're getting the safest and best support out there possible because it, it is still new and, and that's scary to try to figure out. And they have lots of tangible tools and resources that we'll have listed out in the episode description as well. 
it was honestly just such a hopeful and optimistic conversation really about was. the future of medicine and mental health healing. And we're just so grateful to both Derek and Dr. Zan for joining us today and just cannot wait for you guys to hear the episode. So enough of us talking. We are not the stars of today's show. We'll move it Enjoy on. Enjoy our conversation with Derek and Dr. Zan. And after I try ketamine therapy, I'll come back and let you know how it goes. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. <laughs> Enjoy the episode. Okay, before we get into absolutely everything that we want to talk about, because there is so much, I think this is probably like the most robust note-taking experience yeah. that we've had prior to a combo because we just have so much that we want to talk to you guys about. And we're so grateful that you're here. But before we jump into everything, we start out every single Thoughts May Very episode by asking our guests what they're currently unpacking, however that resonates with you. We've had serious answers. We've had not so serious answers. We've had literal someone was moving and they're physically unpacking. So just however mm -hmm. that resonates, however <laughs> deep you want to go, take it away. I'll get started right now. I think what's been on my mind is we're launching our first retreat, bringing in a whole bunch of veterans and doing kind of a free mm -hmm. weekend for them to come unwind, ketamine therapy, river plunge, nature immersion, group wow. therapy, somatic therapy, all the things. And I think what I'm unpacking is this is a very particular group that has topics that are so unique to them. And so I want to be able to cater to that demographic in a way that nourishes what they've gone through, respects what they've gone through. I'm not a veteran, so I can't put myself in their shoes. So to be very like informed, culturally competent, no matter what the demographic mm. is always a priority for us. And so it's been a lot of deep diving into, you know, beyond trauma counseling, what are the things that stand out to this mm -hmm. niche demographic and how can we help? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what we saw just today as we're recording this was a veteran who, because of mental health reasons and poor care reasons, went in and we had another shooting. It's a heavy topic, I think, that we all try to give attention to every now and then, but we're not really solving as a community. So that's a heavy one to start, but that's what I've been unpacking in the present. You're preaching to the choir with that over here. So we completely understand. And the other side of just unpacking your demographic and how to best serve them is such a testament to your programming. Yeah, thank you. On, on my side, I, I was talking to a patient this morning, and this is something that so we've been unpacking for quite some time. I mean, basically since the pandemic with, with patients is that so many people are used to go see your doctor and they tell you, take this pill, you'll, you'll feel better. And then when that doesn't work or it works temporarily, now there's, you know, there's whatever I thought was wrong with me before that's amplified mm. and they're going deeper into that, deeper into that hole. And I was talking to somebody this morning who said that they've had the best week of their life. But then I asked, you know, how much sunshine are you, are you getting? Mm -hmm. And she's, she's not mobile. And I, you know, I relate to that because my, my, my mom is, is in a wheelchair walker most of the time. I was like, you got to got to get in the sun. You got to go sit next to a window. Got to be outside. Um, and then we started unpacking like nutrition. There's just not one recipe. There's not one piece that's going to, you know, our, our happiness is it's like, it's a, it's a whole thing, right? You got to sprinkle in all kinds of different things while some it's with medication, but for everybody, you know, sunshine, movements, proper nutrition, without a combination of these things, you're not really giving yourself a fighting chance, right? And pandemic isolated people, right? It brought people inside, yeah. uh, took away the sunshine, but even free that, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people in the, like just on the mental health side, it's like doctors or, or, or primary care doctors. It's like, take this pill. All right, that's not working. Let's increase yeah. the dosage. And so I think she was expecting, you know, my feedback, like, this is amazing. You're having a great week. We'll talk to you soon. You know, and my feedback was like, hey, 
now let's let's look at what else we can we need to dive into helping people understand that like you know there's there's highs there's lows and and it's okay like mm-hmm. to, to, to mm-hmm. feel certain ways right it's okay to feel today's the best day ever it's also okay to be going through it and be like i had the worst day ever yeah like, that's okay right it's just when we stay in those places for for extended periods of time um that that's when you know, that's when we got to figure out ways, ways to get us out. You know, ketamine therapy or psychedelic therapy uh, or any treatment, right? Isn't the, the, this is going to fix everything, right? It, it's like, you have to put in the work, what you put into it, what you get out of it. Right. This is such a beautiful setup for everything we want to talk to you guys about, because so much of what we talk about here on TMV is kind of how a big aspect of the mental health crisis we feel is the aspect of kind of like spirituality and this belief that like things will work out for you and things are meant to work Mm -hmm. out for you and that's so removed from like classic apa you know traditional psychopharmaceutical rhetoric (laughs) well psychedelics and psychotropics are like the exact measurable way to show that because it's such a more spiritual experience so that unpacking is really setting up so much of what we want to get in with you guys today but i'd love to start with a little bit of each of your stories because I think you have such a beautiful mix of professional and personal, which in a very different way kind of reminds me of Gabby and I's story and how we came together too. So I'd love to hear about both your backgrounds and then how you came together to start Better You. So I'm a psychiatrist. And when I introduce myself that way, I often find myself saying, I'm a little anti-psychiatry, don't worry, because there seems to be a stigma <laughs> in my industry about the work that we yep. do. It wasn't long before I realized that when I got into this work through my residency, through my training, a lot of the work we're doing isn't helping people. It's just part of the system. We're all kind of having this turnstile approach, especially in the inpatient hospital mm-hmm. setting. You know, take this medication. I'll see you in a month. Like that really isn't something we're working towards. Mm-hmm. So in my background, I, I created a lot more holistic approach in our practice. And then in 2019, a medication came out called Spravato. And this was S-ketamine. It was a nasal spray formulation variation of ketamine. Had no idea what it was at the time because it wasn't taught to us in residency. Started working with patients and just being open-minded and seeing such an advanced, accelerated improvement in everything that we wanted to do holistically, whether it was psychological, biological, whether it was environmental or spiritual. So after that, through mutual friends, Derek and I met, and we both had the calling to really find a way to bring ketamine therapy and all of the down-the-road derivatives that might come out in a way to the public that's safe, that's scalable, that's affordable, because at the time it was very expensive. And so that's kind of the origin story of our company together, Better You. And now fast forward four years later or so after starting with Spravato and treating people and teaching psychedelic medicine at UNLV, at a couple other residency programs, teaching therapists. We do a lot of education around this work. I think it's becoming a little bit trendier and a little bit mainstream to say that we all have a mental health journey. And seeing people not as sick, not categorized as ill, or there's something wrong with them, but rather just seeing everybody as beautiful composition of strengths, weaknesses, uh, things that we can align with, things that we can improve without judgment, without any kind of shame, blame, just looking at ourselves more objectively and being able to find our best selves, find balance and harmony in areas of our life that maybe need a little bit more attention. This is the journey that started from being a little bit jaded and seeing how the psychiatry industry was for years now seeing what we're evolving to and being very optimistic about our future. Did you feel any pushback from colleagues when you started moving into the side of your work? Yeah, absolutely. I still do, unfortunately. (laughs) I still think that there are people, medical professionals, who 
aren't educated enough to know that there are FDA approved approaches that, you know, I speak for Spravato, um, who's a you know big farm, Jansen, right? And, and 10, 20 years ago, there might've been a lot of things to say about big farm. And I think what we're seeing is the evolution. And instead of saying we were doing something wrong or we were doing something bad 20 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, we were cutting into people's brains. It wasn't that far ago. Now we're just seeing the evolution and we're seeing that in many ways, good care is being supported by economic growth as well. And it's not a conflict anymore. We're not on different teams trying to fight and practice more holistic care. Holistic practices are coming to the forefront. So while there still are many physicians, clinicians that don't get it, haven't learned about it, we're really on a mission to educate those people and, and educate the public that there shouldn't be any stigma around this. This is just another way to catalyze mm-hmm. the momentum that Derek was talking about, bring in all of the holistic factors. But mm-hmm. sometimes we just need a perceptual shift. And, and there's the magic mm-hmm. in this medicine mm-hmm. that allows that. Oh, I love how hopeful that yeah. is. <laughs> Yeah, with, with you know, the, the, the education is so important because like it's, it's come a long way. And, and ketamine therapies is one of those things that spreads so much because of the results, right? And the anecdotal mm-hmm. and the word of mouth evidence of people like you give somebody that has been on SSRIs for 20 years, you know, people that have, you know, have, have attempted suicide, people that, you know, have been going through it for a long time and have been through the medical system and, and, and the things have failed after failed. And you give them something that after one session, maybe three sessions, it completely reframes their their perspective on the world and 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 their their perspective on on themselves. It's it's you know they're gonna they tell everybody right. They're like this is this is what helped me and I'm I'm a new person and falling back in love with life again. Right. So that's been a huge part of it. There's still you know it's it's come a long way in the medical community, uh, but it's and typically how you get through those conversations, right? I know it used to be psychiatrists that would would say I can't believe that. Sam, Sam, his, his practice was treating a lot of a lot of minors and, and a lot of a lot of youth and, and teenagers. And if you have a suicidal teenager that is yeah actively suicidal, has attempted suicide, and almost any psychiatrist out there would say it's okay to give them Xanax, Adderall, you know, mm-hmm. antidepressants, a lot of things that can really you know can do some good, but can do some real real long term harm that are taken daily typically. Or you say, hey, we're going to do ketamine. Academy therapy session, you know, once a week for a month and see see how it helps, right? And they're like, whoa, that's that's crazy, you know, or, mm-hmm. or have a big pushback to it. But typically, like, you know, how we've won and defeated those arguments is, you know, this isn't a new drug, right? This isn't this isn't a new thing. It's been very active and in, in, on the World Health Organization for you know, as credible as that is uh, on their list of essential medicines globally um, and used daily as an anesthetic. So when it comes to actual psychedelic mm-hmm. medicine or psychedelic therapy as a treatment it is the most researched psychedelic drug on the planet mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. prior to to better you i was in the alternative healthcare space for for years and i you know in 2019 i was in 40 countries educating people whether it was pharmaceutical tobacco cosmetics food and beverage health and wellness every expo or conference in the world turned into the cbd show back right after the 2018 mm-hmm. conference passed mm-hmm. right and our company, for a few years before that, was bringing uh, non-psychoactive, lesser-known cannabinoids. Uh, we're doing the research and development and bringing these products at scale and, and, and crossbreeding plants and, and, and doing all of this for, for years for the non-psychoactive, like kind of pharmaceutical approach of, of taking, you know, we're, we're trying to really replace things like, like Tylenol and, and things that we put mm-hmm. into our bodies for, for inflammation and 
CBC for skull removal, you know, CBN for, for sleep and, and all these different cannabinoids we're trying to bring, bring to market. And then farm bill passed that exploded. That led me through, you know, traveling a lot for work, overworking myself. The doc, my, my doctor said, take Adderall, take, you know, take Xanax because you're flying all the time, overworking, just driving myself deeper and deeper into a hole. That's along with some personal life, you know, neglecting my personal life because I was building, building a company. A lot of transitions kind of happened at the same time. And I went from living this dream. I grew up in a farm town in Wisconsin, never got to travel or do, do too much. And living this dream of traveling the world and educating people on, on how to live healthier, happier lives. Uh, went from that to within a few short weeks to suicidal. And I had never really had issues with depression or suicide. You know, bad days like everybody does. Mm -hmm. But it was days turned into weeks to months of where I couldn't get out of bed. Felt like I was drowning and everybody else around me was breathing. And it, it got real, real dark. A friend of mine dragged me into a, a ketamine clinic. My first thought before before this, and an argument with, I'm not doing this. This is this is silly. This is it's a horse tranquilizer. I'm right. not doing that. <laughs> uh, you know, I was like, that's stupid. And that's I think a lot of people's reaction, right? Because that's just yeah. the that's what was known. That was known to me. And what's so bizarre is that I was in alternative healthcare for years yep. traveling the world. I, I considered myself a very knowledgeable person in what can help people um, as opposed to the, the alternative. Uh, this one session took me from every day watching the sun come up and down and not really moving and just staring at a bottle of tequila and Xanax, thinking about ending it to that one session. All of this, these spirals of, of shame and blame and guilt and anger. And like we just keep when we get in these cycles, we can just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And all of that was was gone. It was like the immediate like vacation, right? Like I just stepped away mm -hmm. from from that. And it allowed me to connect with myself again and really look at a lot of these traumatic things that have happened, happened in my life and look at them as like exactly that. These were just things that happened. Mm. These aren't, these don't define me. These aren't who I am and allowed me to just really immediately change that perspective. Right. And when, when that happened, my relationship with myself and that connection I felt to myself was the first time after I felt a, a connection to the outside world in, in quite some time. So. That one session was, yeah, it was, it, I could write a whole book on, on just that, that, that one yeah. thing, but it, it took me, yeah, it probably saved my life. And seeing how there was no, you know, it was, it was done at an anesthesiologist's office. It was $1,500 for one session. Wow. But I grew up in Wisconsin. I don't, you know, I didn't spend a hundred dollars on my mental health prior to this. Yeah. yeah. And so that was, there was some big friction points and my buddy didn't drag me in there and pay for it. I don't get, I don't, I don't know where it would be, mm -hmm. but that I saw that like, a, there was no, there was no preparation going into it. Like there was no bracing mm. uh, myself for what was to come. Uh, to check my blood pressure, ask me two questions. There was nothing afterwards mm. where you know, I come out oh, of there. Wow. And all I want to do is yell at the rooftops, "Hey, this yeah. is like I, I'm feeling better, right?" But there was no, "Hey, maybe don't go home and watch, you know, uh, put on the news or, or put yeah, on yeah, you yeah. Know, negative content, right?" Like nothing about the neuroplasticity of our brains of how now we're sponge and more malleable like there's there's just nothing mm -hmm. right the conversation was what are you doing next week to, to schedule again so i was fascinated about what what happened to me and i didn't see it i wasn't looking at it at all like here's something that we could we could build to to bring you know to bring to everybody else i was just 
really trying to understand what happened with me. And that led mm -hmm. me to uh, Stanford Psychedelic Research Institute and the Depression Clinic. I was supposed to be up there for a weekend uh, for, for like a dinner that wasn't related to uh, psychedelics at all. And then ended up being up there for almost two months and learning about the future of like, not just medicine, but like of, of humanity, right? of, of uh, what they're doing with LSD, a derivative of LSD for Alzheimer's and dementia. Which, if you look at a lot of the pharmaceuticals, it's just, we're seeing 20, 30 years of, of these pharmaceuticals taken daily that are causing early onset Alzheimer's and dementia. You know, that, that was really fascinating. The MDMA for PTSD, uh, Ibogaine for opioid addiction, and, and what they were doing with ketamine and, and seeing um, patients at end of life care that were you know, really, really sad patients that, that are you know, in, in hospice and, and the, you know, the bottom, like nothing, nothing can, there's nothing you say that's really helping these people alleviate where, where their headspace is at to almost every single time they're coming out of their session, their ketamine therapy session in tears saying like, I'm, I'm happy with the life that I've lived uh, or, or I'm no longer like my, my, my fear of death is, is, is gone. I feel like I've never felt this more disconnected to God or the universe and I'm really tapping into that, that spirituality and stepping away from Know where, where our brains take us. Oh, sorry, that was that was long. No, it's powerful though. No, it was yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. And we're so glad you're here as a sibling to someone that I lost by suicide. Anytime I hear stories like yours, it really just means so much to me. And so we're so happy we're, that you're here and so happy that you're doing this work. Do you mind before we kind of get into all the good information about ketamine, kind of painting more of a picture of that first session, like? As much as you're willing to share what you felt, what you saw, what aha moment, other aha moments you have, kind of the experience of taking yeah. ketamine. Yeah, it was, like I said, I went into it very apprehensive. And I think a lot of yeah. people that we work with are like, I've tried everything. This is, you know, it's, like, ketamine just doesn't sound, it's not an attractive word. Right? <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a scary it's word. Not, yeah. like, yeah. is in the word, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's not, like I went into it like this is stupid. This isn't going to work. Uh, why am I doing this? I'm wasting my time. You know, just repeating like, like this, yeah, this, nothing's going to work for me. I'm when, when, when we're that depressed, like nobody, nobody ends their life because they're, they're thinking, right. It's their, mm -hmm. their brain, their brain is sick all the time. We see celebrities or you hear like friends, family members, you know, and, and, and people like through these stories and people on the outside, they say, Oh, they had everything. How could they do this? How could they mm -hmm. do this? Right. And I know in my mind, it was this is the only way out. Like the world mm -hmm. is better, mm -hmm. uh, is going to be a better place without me. Right. Which is the farthest thing from the truth for anyone. Right. But, but our brain is telling us this. Right. And that we're not worthy of love, that we don't deserve to be here, that things aren't ever going to get better. And, and this darkness is just, we're just keep cycling and spiraling. Right. So it's when people do this, it's just like understanding that, that when people say the suicide was, like, how did they make that choice? Right. And I was like, they, they didn't, yeah. you know, they were, they were sick mm -hmm. and, and, and they weren't, obviously they weren't thinking clearly and, and thinking about all the things or people that it's going to affect. Like they did it because they, their brain was sick. Right. And, and when you're in that headspace, you just feel there's no connection to yourself. Right. And then I feel like a lot of people, like I was, I was taking, uh, I wasn't on antidepressants at the time, but I was taking them previously. And I feel like a lot of these things just put up this wall, like this internal wall. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and while they're masking the symptoms, like, great if I'm out, you know, in, in public or having a conversation or at work. Right. But when I'm alone, like that masking or that disconnect, right. You mm -hmm. could, 
like something really terrible could happen. You'd be like, eh, I don't really feel anything, right? Like, like when yeah. I, I was talking to a, a patient of ours, and she's like, I could get hit. I could see somebody. This is on the extreme side. But she's like, I could see somebody get hit by a car, and I would feel nothing. I would hug my grandkids, wow. and I would feel nothing, right? And and that's like because of yeah because of these these antidepressants right so when you feel that disconnect uh, even before like medicating it's it's no matter what kind of advice you're getting it's it's pretty hard to take right because you just have these walls mm -hmm. up and when I immediately like after the medicine started to take effect I felt like this this weight was like it felt like almost like constant like an elephant was stepping on my chest right I was closed up I was just like it was hard to breathe it was hard, it was hard to do everything right I, I wasn't it was hard to eat. It was hard to shower. It was hard to brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. Hard to do everything. Mm -hmm. And almost immediately, I felt like like I, my chest opened up. I could I could breathe again. And and these cycles of of just like you know why a lot, a lot of like why me a lot of a lot of blame a lot of anger towards myself and 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 just a lot of these things that that I kept. And I was going deeper and deeper and deeper and justifying this thought with another negative thought, another negative thought. And it, 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 immediately that was that was gone. And, and I felt like not only because, you know, there's this sedative kind of effect to it, anesthetic, right, at high doses. Right? So at lower doses, it's like you kind of get that. But it was like I, almost like I had left my, my physical body, not fully, but like I was in this other this beautiful realm. And, and it was it wasn't psychedelic to a point where like you're seeing you know this this like you're having a conversation it's not like what you see in the movies right, right? Of, like an mm -hmm. LSD mm -hmm. or something where it's like you're playing bongos with you know with, with yep 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 stuff, right everyone or, turns into a cartoon yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like very subtle just beautiful colors and the music the music is everything right the music takes you on this journey and and so the music you know it would go from this like kind of binaural beats to this kind of tribal mm -hmm. And I felt like I was mm -hmm. kind of floating like down a river. And then, and then at some point I felt like I was like kind of soaring through the mountains. And then like, as the music started to you know, get shift, like I was kind of seeing people that I'd never, never met before. And, and like kind of just outlines or like energies of people, mm -hmm. not really like their faces. Cool. And then yeah. I could feel like this connection to, to some of my family members and this connection to, to some, some, some people that like somebody uh, close to mine had passed away recently. And I just mm. felt like that, that energy and like that, that, that love. And then I started to like, as I'm going through that, my mind, you know, by default somehow creeped in there and was like looking at there was a couple of the, the, the very traumatic things that happened in, in my relationship when, when that ended and, and it kind of started to bring that stuff back up. But instead of me looking at it with all of the negative, like kind of emotional charge that I had. It allowed me to to see it as exactly that. Like that was a moment in time in my life mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. things changed. And even if it was unexpected or, or, or didn't want it to change, it doesn't make it any different, right? It, it was just a thing that happened in my life. And, mm -hmm. and being able to separate like and, and myself. Yep, that space was, between it. Yeah, yeah, like who I was at my core as a human being to like, the situation and being able to, mm -hmm. to have that space, it changed every, it changed my perspective on, on everything. Totally. Right? And I came back totally. like during the session, I was like, maybe life is, 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 isn't so bad. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, I'm like life is really, really beautiful. And, and, you know, even days after when I'm talking to like my friends about what happened, like you're a completely different person. I was like, I can't believe that you yeah. know, a week ago I, I wanted to, to not be here. Right. So it just, yeah. it's completely 
changed that 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 perspective. I was able to come out of that and really harness a lot of like those kind of aha moments, those epiphanies. Integrate that, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and but but like if you don't prepare somebody, especially somebody that's never had a psychedelic yeah. experience you know, before, yeah, with like what they're going into, and then how to how to maximize like the benefits of it, um, I think you know that can like, that, I think that's reckless. Like, I was just fascinated about like what happened to me and trying to understand like mm-hmm. what happened to me because the pandemic was just just starting, and I was like people like people need this, you know, there's people really really need this, and there's a lot of depression, there's a lot of you know. The, there's a lot of just darkness mm. out there and in the world right now. And uh, I grew up yeah, in a small town, middle of nowhere, America, a lot of, a lot of racism, a lot of anger, a lot of just closed minded, like hate breeding hate. Uh, but also and nobody there can, like, you know, nobody is spending this kind of money to, to get these kinds of treatments. Right. Because it's, it's yeah. incredibly expensive. Right. So, or even know yeah. about the treatments or know about them. Yeah. But the information is lacking. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But even, even though they know about it, they can't, access Get to it. it so yeah, yeah so i was like how do we do this you know how do we do this better right how do we how do we yeah. how do we try and solve the accessibility problem how do we make you know the entire start to finish and not just like with the medicine here's six months of, of your you know your, your playbook your, your diet your mm-hmm. exercise your mm-hmm. breath work your meditation right? and, and and people like you tell somebody who's depressed uh you need to exercise right they're like Get, don't talk yeah. <laughs> you tell somebody after they've done a couple of sessions Hey, mm-hmm. let's start looking at, you know, a lot of times people say, try yoga. Like, ah, that's stretching. That's, you know, woo woo. That's not, that's not for me. Right. And then uh-huh. if you one or two of these sessions, they're like, what else you got? Yeah. You know, give me like yep. I did yoga yep. and it's amazing. And I'm connecting with myself and my energy yep. and my breath. That led me to find, trying to find the doctors that were out there that understood the power of this medicine. And I crossed paths with Sam and Sam was already doing this work for years and really cared about putting the patients first and the understanding of like how powerful this, this medicine medicine was. And, you know, our first intro call was supposed to be a couple of minutes. And next thing you know, it was four hours later and, uh, and then yeah, connected. And here we are today. That's how, you know, Meadow and I had our, exactly how we met. We had an intro work call (laughs) and 30 minutes. It's turned uh-huh. into three hours, turned into we should start a podcast. So here we are. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your story. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Totally. I wanted to get down into sort of the nitty gritty because I'm sure a lot of people listening, I know that I have this perspective. Like I am so down for alternative medicines and just expanding what healing looks like. And still someone like me with ketamine therapy has so many questions and reservations. So I really just want to get into the nitty gritty. If you guys could break down really just what is ketamine and why can it be so supportive for somebody's mental health? Ketamine is a dissociative anesthetic traditionally at high doses. It's been used in operating rooms for 50 years and children as young as one year old, two years old use this very safely when they're doing an operation because we don't want to give little kids like that opiates that you know, stop them from breathing, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. slow them down. Mm-hmm. Now, in the last 10, 20 years, we've seen this being used heavily in pain clinics in the IV form, the injection form. And then four years ago, we got approved for major depression. What it does at a lower dose mm-hmm. for mental health is... It enhances what we call neuroplasticity. That's the brain's ability to create new neural connections, to get out of the cycles that sometimes keep us in a rut. All that negative self-talk, the depressive patterns, the anxious thought patterns, they live in what we call the default mode network. It's this part of our brain that just runs when we don't even know it's running. 
And so ketamine allows for this shift. A lot of people say it's like warming up the play of the brain so that then we can mold it. Mm. We get a lot of very colorful uh, descriptions of, of how it feels for people. And That's one a great person one. Said, yeah, right. I love one that person one. said it felt like, you know, I have these ski slopes in my mind and I just keep carving. That's the one I always say. Yeah. It feels like <laughs> yeah. fresh powder for the ski slopes of the brain. Mm-hmm. So the work then is mm-hmm. once we have this perceptual shift and both neurologically and psychologically, we can see ourselves a little bit differently. It's almost like this outside perspective of ourselves. Have you ever given advice to a friend and you're thinking to yourself, this is so evident. I can see this so clearly. Why can't you see yeah. this? And the friend is stuck in the emotion. Mm-hmm. It's hard for them to see things objectively. This neuroplastic mm-hmm. shift allows for us to kind of be our own best friend and look at ourselves with more compassion, more love, more empathy. What ends up happening is different for everybody. But a lot of the work that we've built is setting the intentions prior, doing some of the heavy lifting before we get into the Mm -hmm. session. Because just for many, you can take the medicine and feel reset and it can do incredible things. You compound that with a little bit of journaling about where do I want my mind's thoughts to run? What is the background story that I do want to tell myself? A lot of us fall into the negative thought patterns. We're human. It's part of our experience. But can we construct a more positive view of the world, view of ourselves? So that's where the medicine comes in. And then the work continues. Well, the way we prescribe it is once or twice a week. It's not a daily medication Mm -hmm. because of the risks that can happen if you take it daily and high doses and things like that. It's intentionally set to be done seldomly once or twice a week. And so then the risk profile is very benign. We've even had a clinic that we worked with um, that's a child oncology clinic. And every time they give their little kiddos chemotherapy, they supplement it with ketamine. Wow. The two things, one to you know, improve the, the trauma, the pain experience of it, but also mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. keep their minds in an optimistic direction, that they're healing, that they're getting better, that they're not sick and they need medicine for something wrong, but rather they feel strengthened and refreshing. And after 14 years of doing this work, with kids as young as two years old, they haven't found any long-term health risks for them. So this is the safety and efficacy that we have of ketamine that I wish we could just scream Mm -hmm. from the mountaintop. If you're suicidal, if you've tried some things and they're just not working for you, please, please give this a chance. It is very gentle, especially at the low dose that we start. It can be quite transformational. Wow. We have so many questions regarding dosage and and Mm -hmm. the way that it's administered and, and we'll get into that. But I mean, you just sort of touched on who ketamine therapy could be for. Is that extreme sort of like the barrier to entry or like who really is it for? And then on the opposite side of that, who is this not for? Yeah, there, there's some legalities around this that, that mm-hmm. you know, mm. understandably in medicine, you can't just do anything, right? You have, you have to right. follow set rules because they built these rules for people to be safe, to put your trust in a doctor and know that they're doing the right thing. So if somebody came to us and say, I want to try ketamine just to see what it's like and have a little fun and explore my mind. Unfortunately, we would have to dig a little deeper and say, like, is there an anxious thought pattern? Have you had traumas in the past? Are you dealing with depressive symptoms? If you are not at all dealing with anything, then we can't legally prescribe it for you. That would be kind of recreational use. Mm. So the application is for someone who's going through any kind of depressive feelings, any anxious thought patterns, whether it's panic or even PTSD or just generalized anxiety. Really, I think the the key here is ketamine and psychedelic medicine is teaching us more about what mental health really means. Whereas before Mm -hmm. we used to think, is it something that's just genetic? Is it just a chemical imbalance? No, the answer is it's very multifactorial. And so while legally we have to play by those rules, and we do, we also 
kind of are trying to reframe the conversation that we all have a mental health journey, right? It's not someone who's severely sick. It can be someone who's going through real chemical imbalance that exists, right? Schizophrenia, things like that are real. But often we mm-hmm. overlabel depression, anxiety, we confuse people with the bipolar diagnosis. I think we underdiagnose PTSD mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we don't talk yeah. enough about trauma because we think like, oh, my trauma's not mm-hmm. that bad. Other people have been through worse. It's not what happened to you. It's mm-hmm. who was there to nur- nourish you, guide you, give you love and comfort when that thing happened. And oftentimes in our lives, we don't have those people mm-hmm. present when we most need them. We might hold mm-hmm. it in. We might not even share what happened to us. So anybody who's been through some stuff and is struggling a little bit with their mood, with their anxiety, with just being their best self, likely there's a diagnosis that we can slap on, unfortunately. That's how the system works. But I would open the door to say it's not just for people who are suicidal or severely depressed. Maybe for anyone who's going through anxious or depressive thought patterns. Could folks with bipolar disorder or schizophrenia also get the benefits of ketamine treatment? Or is that kind of like the line that they draw? I love how you worded the question because to answer, can they get the benefits? My answer to that is yes. Yeah. But as a practitioner, yeah. we have to be very, very careful. I've only treated the legality, one, yeah. Not even the legality, right? Yeah. But now we're talking about real patients. Mm-hmm. I've only treated one schizophrenic with ketamine, maybe two. But when we do that, it's very low dose because, and we have mm-hmm, to know that mm-hmm. they're stable, right? They're stable on meds. We're yeah. treating their psychosis. We're treating their anxiety. We're treating their depression. Right. Okay. For the bipolar side of things, this is a diagnosis that's been thrown around, I think, without a lot of intention and care. You go to a hospital and, you know, you're, you're doing drugs. Like, you're going to look manic, right? So you're going to get stopped with bipolar diagnosis and really might have just been drug use. It might have been stressors in your life combined with lack of sleep. And then all of a sudden you have this bipolar diagnosis and you're thinking to yourself, what does that even mean? Is there something wrong with me? And it's heavily stigmatized. It shouldn't be. Bipolar really just means we have a higher predisposition to getting in a depressive episode or getting in a manic state mm-hmm. where we're mind on fast forward, everything's go, 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 we're not sleeping, and that can lead to adverse outcomes. But we can all feel manic and we can all feel depressed. Mm-hmm. Does that mean we're all mm-hmm. bipolar? Maybe, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but if we yeah. do it that way, we shouldn't exclude people mm. just based on diagnosis. So we really peel back the layers, do a very thorough medical review and a thorough psychiatric review. If somebody has serious mm-hmm. manic episodes that have led to hospitalization or jail, then they're probably not a mm-hmm. good candidate and we need to practice more care. If they came into the office, maybe with a combination of meds you know, and, and direct supervision, we could help that person still. But I'd say the majority of people who are diagnosed bipolar don't really have mm-hmm. severe mania and severe bipolar. So mm-hmm. it would be an option if we yeah. categorize that correctly. Totally. And, and, and for these things, like because there's different models of, of treatment and different protocols, right? So with ours, you know, we, we treat patients in, in office as well as at home. And mm-hmm. in office, when they have direct medical supervision, there's more flexibility about who can be seen, how they can be seen, how long they're under supervision, mm-hmm. the up those sorts of types of things. Uh, we're a lot, a lot more strict on on the at home program and remote program. Sure. And if they there's a handful of things that are that are hard nose for, for at home for you know for their the patient safety and for ours. Like mm-hmm. somebody's currently in a manic state and they're taking you know mm-hmm. whether any type of psycho uh, mental altering chemical, whether it's cannabis, whether it's uh, you know, psilocybin, ketamine, any any of these types of things, uh, alcohol, it can, can make make them go deeper in that into that hole. Right. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. certain things that were at home, absolutely not. Does that mean that these patients wouldn't benefit or possibly benefit from from this treatment? Uh, no, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that. Right? They can still do it. Just 
under more, more direct medical supervision. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about what at-home treatment would look like? Because, I mean, for the sake of asking the question, I want to talk a little bit about addiction risk, mm-hmm. which on a side note, I find interesting that with conversations about things like ketamine treatment or, or psychedelic treatments and medicine, there's you know such an emphasis on like, well, what's the addiction and what's this and what's that? And then we don't maybe ask those same questions when it comes to you know uh, different antidepressants or medications mm-hmm. that are more standard mm-hmm. that can be you know abused. Mm-hmm. But yeah, can you talk a little bit about just the first part of that question about what at-home treatment looks like, sort of what that process looks mm-hmm. like of whether it needs to be in person or at home, and if there is an addiction or abuse risk there. I can speak on the addiction part for sure, and then Derek, Derek can add some color to what the at-home experience is like. When it comes to addiction, I think we have to first understand what is addiction. Mm-hmm. It really is a number of things. One, it's a lack of healthy coping skills to deal with our daily stress. It then is also this desire to escape and to get away from our emotional state. That's compounded by some kind of chemical dependence. And so when you think about it in those terms, the way that we prescribe it very intentionally is once or twice a week max, because then you cannot build a chemical dependence Mm -hmm. to something you only take once or twice a week. Very similarly, the way that we prescribe Xanax to people. Traditionally, 10, 20 years ago, it's, hey, you have anxiety, take Xanax three times a day. But that's not safe and good care at this point. It's, hey, if you don't have still happens. Still happens, yeah. 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 And really what we're after is trying to elevate the standard of care in our industry. Because if you take Xanax once or twice a week due to panic attacks, well, that's actually better for your body to not go through the panic and to be able to reset the nervous system. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's no addiction or dependence potential if you're just sticking with once or twice a week. So as we bring it back to ketamine, if you look at it just at a molecular level, you can't build a dependence once or twice a week. And then to compound on, do you have this behavioral addiction? Do you have a craving? Do you have a habit form and you want to do this more? While it's certainly possible, and there are people who abuse ketamine through street use and things like that, we only give a finite amount. You can't abuse it. If you run out of all the supply we give you too quickly, you violated our program and you can't continue with us. Mm -hmm. Frankly, if you wanted to abuse the drug, you wouldn't come to us because what we offer is the therapeutic care, the wraparound support. And if you just wanted the drug, I'm sure there's someone on your corner who can give it to you cheaper. Mm -hmm. They don't come to us. But also, can it create a habit? Here's how I approach that. If you, either of you have done therapy in the past, and I think we all should do therapy, I think it's uh, often stigmatized as a negative when really it should be thought of as a positive in our lives. Have you ever had a transformational experience if it was therapy or if it was talking to a friend and it's just overwhelming and the emotion came out and maybe you cried a little bit, but it felt like you had a breakthrough and it just felt so transformational and healing? Is the first thing you do is tell your therapist, we've got to do this again tomorrow, (laughs) (laughs) right? Beautiful example. Beautiful example. Yeah. 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 And so with that, we see people who are like, this was amazing, but whoa, give me See in a month. Yeah. 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 And then they can do it again. And we oscillate from that really powerful high dose, maybe more psychedelic experience to even a lower Mm -hmm. meditative experience Mm -hmm. where we're more in control and our thoughts are more present. So there are many applications across the spectrum. And they're all very intentionally designed to not create a desire to escape yourself, but rather to find mm-hmm. yourself. And that takes some time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that's beautiful. Eric, can you shed some light on what the at-home experience is like? Together, we've carefully crafted this, but it comes a lot from community feedback, right? Our first iteration mm. is very different than where we've been now. And so 
healthcare. It's been all mm-hmm. over optimizing the holistic factors mm-hmm. that we add to integration therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, how the process works is uh, so we have a team of all kinds of different people. It's healers, right? It, it, it's uh, nurses, veterans, Reiki healers, and then that's on our initial kind of consulting team. So when somebody mm-hmm. comes to the website and they fill out a handful of questions, they have an initial consult, and that's where we go through some of the contraindications that we spoke about here. So history of psychosis, schizophrenia, currently a, a drug addiction, uh, pregnant breastfeeding. AV malformation, different types of things like that, um, heart mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. And then if they do, then typically that's where you know, we recommend for them to go to an in-office treatment because they're typically not going to be the best candidates for at home. Uh, if they make it kind of through past that part, then they have the option to, to select either once a week or twice a week for the first month. And typically the people that have more recent mental health struggles or you recently lost somebody in your life or you're going through something you know, traumatic, uh, but you haven't really struggled with mental mental health issues or have been been on a lot of medications for them. And typically, that once a week is is enough to achieve that. Kind of, what what the goal is here is to achieve that that neurological reset, right? And 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 to to help us kind of re optimize the way the brain's functioning and, and make us more malleable and receptive to to other things like psychodynamic therapy and CBT exercises and all the stuff that we put into the portal. So it's either once or twice a week. After that, you have your a virtual appointment with a psychiatric clinician. And then that's almost like a, that's a therapy session as well. And they go through your medical history. Uh, they go through the contraindications, you know, ask a lot more questions to see if you're a good candidate for it and then help walk you through the program a bit. Uh, after that, you receive a brain box in the mail, which is this cool. guy. And inside the brain box, you receive, I don't know if there's a thing in this one, uh, but there's a, oh, there's a blood pressure cuff, there's meditation mask, there's um, journals, uh, instruction cards on how to use everything, gratitude cards, because cool. part of like going through this practice is, you know, every day waking up and writing down things that you're grateful for and just reframing like, our perspective when we first wake up, not looking at our phones. Uh, so you get this kit in the mail, and then uh, after you receive it, you jump back on for another virtual appointment with one of our integration coaches. Our integration coaches, again, like our our consulting team, they mm-hmm. uh, are therapists, they're uh, clinicians, they're they're athletes, they're all kinds of people, kind of like 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 me, that just have had uh, have been through it and 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 have mm-hmm. had this type of treatment help them, and and they're very familiar with navigating the experience. So. We'll uh, kind of go through, if somebody's nervous or anxious going into it, we'll do a little breath work exercise, a little med- meditation to help them kind of relax, make sure that they've accessed our, our, our app or our member portal and that they have uh, understand, you know, the, the fasting before, the, all, all the safety protocols that they have to do before, um, that they have peer support, somebody there with them, mm-hmm. um, not in the same room, but just somebody there, you know, as, as a safety precaution if they need help getting up to use the restroom or anything like that. And then we start, like Sam said, we start at a very low dose. So you start, you know, because you're doing it at home, it's, and really the, the, the benefits of that low dose is kind of sparking, like the, you know, the, the, those, those opening up those pathways in our brain. So even though you're not going to have this full an aha moment or, or, or psychedelic, you know, uh, experience those first couple of sessions, or the, the dose acclimation of that mm-hmm. sessions, it's really uh, that the medicine is compounding and, 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 and opening up those pathways and then you have your first real kind of experience and then once you get to that more of a therapeutic dose about two hours after uh, you jump on with one of our reintegration coaches again and they help you you know not only process and unpack the experience because like a lot of times it's not going to be you know sometimes like people will go through it and they try to 
dissect or analyze every 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 part of it. And it's really it's not about that. It's about letting go during the experience mm. and letting your brain and the medicine and the music, like trusting that it's going to, to do its job. And then afterwards, coming back and, and kind of reframing the thoughts or the perspectives. And then that's kind of the first integration session is helping them process, digest it. And then um, and then the second integration session is really getting into that accountability coaching mm -hmm. and looking mm -hmm. at their, their, their goals, their daily habits, their daily thoughts, their nutrition, and helping them kind of set up a set up a plan for, for, for moving forward. And, um, and you know, some people stay on integrations once a week, once a month. Um, a lot of people come through the program and after one month, like, wow, I feel amazing. I don't need this anymore. Right. That's, that's the goal. Uh, other people have been on a lot of medications for a long time or, or they've been like, this is like, this is really working for me. Right. So they'll do two, three months. And then after about month three, uh, we ask people to take, to take a month off to then kind of gauge the, the lasting benefits of it. And then from there, they're like, you know what, after two weeks or so, three weeks, I started to feel some of these old thought patterns creeping. Okay, so now maybe once a month, let's try it once a month, right? Now the, the goal is to to not have to take the medication. The goal is to, now that we've opened up our, our, our minds a bit and expanded our minds a bit to be able to, uh, yeah, to, to implement these healthy habits, right? And I think that the medicine and the journey kind of allows us to release the invisible chains that, that kind of bind us, uh, whether like we were programmed by our society, our relationships, our culture, or our own ego. And once we can kind of step, break free of those uh, a bit, it allows us to, to, to move forward in a healthier, happier. Mm -hmm. I, I just, I really think what the two of you are doing at Better You is so the future yeah. of like moving away from disease treatment to the self-healing. Like we're big advocates for kind of self-healing and empowering your own experience in this way. I think it's so beautiful. I also think kind of in this self-healing to push that further, like the future will probably look similar to this, where instead of going home and taking a Xanax when you have a panic attack, you'll be able to dose out whether it's psilocybin or ketamine and understand how to take that on your own and what that looks like. I, from like a personal experience, kind of want to get into how to talk about this safely with mm -hmm. others. So to give you a little background, I was a former mental health worker. I have an aunt that's a psychiatrist. So I, I feel very well supported in the field, but I got off my SNRI by microdosing psilocybin. Mm -hmm. And I followed a protocol and I read, you know, how to change your mind. And I had a support network, but I really did it on my own. Mm -hmm. And so I've been asked to share a lot about it. And I have not because I don't know how to navigate that conversation when I feel like I had access to resources and information mm -hmm. that I don't think a lot of other people would have. And I don't necessarily condone how I went about it for myself for other people. So I, mm -hmm. I'd love to kind of get into how you think the future of that looks, how we can safely talk about it, how to navigate that conversation, even for me personally, when trying to share that experience with someone else. Because I believe in it so strongly, but I don't want to push anyone to do something that I think is unsafe. Yeah. You know, Early on in this experience, actually in 2018, I had a patient come to me and left his last psychiatrist. I asked why. He said, he kept trying to give me ketamine. And I thought... Like, <laughs> <laughs> And then I turned into that psychiatrist that was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think the, the balance in that is to realize that not everybody's ready. Not everybody has the tools. Yeah. At a low dose with enough guidance and instruction, I think this can be for anyone who meets the criteria. Mm -hmm. Where we talk about the difference between medicinal and therapeutic use versus recreational use, I think that there can be healing in the recreational space, but there's also a lot more potential adverse outcome. Where people mm -hmm. don't know what mm -hmm. to do with this malleable state of mind, they can go into a panic. 
in this feeling of losing control or even a, at a high dose feeling like, is this a near-death experience when they're at their peak? If they're not mm-hmm. prepared for that, that can be quite traumatic. So very intentionally, I think if we're talking to other people about it, we have to gauge their readiness and understanding. And we want to make sure that if this is a new process for somebody, we're holding their hand through this. They're giving them a lot of support. Mm-hmm. A lot of patients come to us from other clinics and other companies who say, came to you because everything you guys talk about is the wraparound care that I wasn't getting before. And I felt like mm-hmm. the medicine was doing something. I just didn't know what to do with it. And so mm-hmm. the guidance I would give is when talking about psychedelic medicine as a therapeutic, we need to really focus on the cliche set and setting and help people understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our mindset has to be in the right place, at least just a little bit. We got to push ourselves. We can't go into this negatively thinking this isn't going to work or this is going to kill me or I'm going to have this bad trip because then we're actually going to come out feeling that way that we projected. And so building the right intention, mentally going into it and having the right environment, the right support structure, the the timing, you know, to mm-hmm. be able to set that two, three hours for yourself and not feel like you have the weight of the world's responsibilities afterwards. That won't be conducive mm-hmm. for an optimal session. So really emphasizing that the environment has to be correct. The mindset has to at least be partially headed in the right direction. And this can become the accelerant with the right guidance. Mm-hmm. That's how I go about talking to someone who maybe was a little reluctant because over mm-hmm. probably half of our patients have never tried this before. And so we're very intentional about providing that handholding and then and then arriving hopefully long term to becoming your own therapist right. and realizing you don't need to depend on a psychiatrist, you don't need to always check in with somebody. You can check in with yourself, you can check in with your spirit, you can check in with nature, you can check in with family. There are so many outlets for therapeutic growth. And that self-trust is what is such the mm-hmm. is such a huge factor proponent of your healing you know, despite whatever you're going through, like being able to trust yourself and understand your intuition or have an understanding of what you need at a point in time and then give it to yourself like that. That's where the real breakthroughs happen, not from a therapist telling you to do it always, you know, but yeah. And I love how you sort of have brought that up in two different ways. One with saying like, we're not pushing a higher, like the point isn't to give more and more and more and make money in that way. And then you've also gone about saying like, the point is for you guys to not need us. Exactly. And I think that's a really, really rare perspective that I know through my therapy journey has been very few and far between. I think like maybe one person has said that to me and it's a new person that I'm starting to work with. And it took me, you know, this long to find someone like that. In terms of dosage, I've, I've heard you both speak on other podcasts sort of about other clinics kind of pushing a higher dose on people sort of to not get that backlash of like, well, I didn't feel anything and, you know, X, Y, Z. How can people best navigate finding mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the right clinic or space for them our phone number is yeah seriously <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah. are you in every state how do we get them to you uh, yeah. 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 yeah so we're, we're not every state and there's some really incredible people doing really incredible work right and there's also some really bad people doing some things that mm-hmm. are going to mess it up for everybody right mm-hmm. um, at yeah. least that's what i see and and one of those things that I feel very strongly about, Sam does as well, is that ketamine, so I mean, we look at like psychedelics as a whole, right? Like all very different things, right? And I'm a big advocate for plant medicine. I also know somebody that's passed away from an ayahuasca journey, right? Wow. Uh, Ibogaine yeah. also, Ibogaine can save your life. If you're in and out of uh, uh, rehab facilities for opiate addiction, save your life. Mm-hmm. It can also mm-hmm. take your life, right? Mm-hmm. Very powerful, very dangerous substances. Um, psilocybin, like me personally, I didn't touch any psychedelics from like, 
age 20 to basically 29 because friends of mine, we, we, we had taken, you know, some, some, some mushrooms, didn't know the dosage setting, anything like what we were supposed to do. And uh, we took a lot and it was not yep. good. We took a whole lot, right? And it, it was really, really traumatic. And, and psychedelic medicine can be just as harmful, I believe, as it can be therapeutic. And mm-hmm. so what you said, you know, to, you know, about like the right people or the guidance in opening like your mm-hmm. story to other people doesn't mean, especially like, I think supply chain is such a big, big factor here, right? When, mm-hmm. when people are like, oh, I'm microdosing. Well, I bought it off somebody from Instagram. Like where's right. the consistency? What, like what else are they yeah. packaging in that facility? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think supply chain is, is a huge piece of it. And there's shamans that have been working with plant medicine since the beginning of you know civilization. Right. So not knocking that, or if you have the, the right tribe or the right, you know, protocols, the right things, right. But most people don't have that access. And I think microdosing too, or psilocybin on, on the way that our brains, like if you're using that as an alternative to SSRIs and, and, and some people have found like, wow, this has been really, you know, a, a really powerful alternative. I'm feeling great. I know a lot of people that have shared that with me that they've gotten off of certain things because of it. Amazing. When I was suicidal, I was also microdosing psilocybin, right? So it was mm. good for me, but it didn't fix like that underlying, right. help me address that underlying issue, right? And, right. and so mm. I think ketamine therapy, we all like, you know, I'm sure you guys all know somebody that's addicted to ketamine or has been addicted to ketamine, mm-hmm. right? And I think mm-hmm. that it can save your life. It can also do some damage to your life, right? Mm-hmm. And so that that dosage and frequency that Sam was saying, like there's there's companies out there that are, there's no guidance, right? Here, take this ketamine every single day for, you know, hundred bucks a month. Take, take this ketamine every single day. No structure, no guidance. They're just putting ketamine out there on the internet as like an anti-anxiety pill, right? And Mm-hmm. which is incredibly frustrating for, for me and I think for, for the industry because it's like this medicine has so much yeah. power to do so much good. And and while like, you know, at the, even at a very low doses and still do very like incredible things for our brain and, and we're opening up those, those pathways, but it can also like you should not be taking ketamine every single day. Like you shouldn't. Yeah. We shouldn't be taking most things, you know, most things for our mental health every single day. But unfortunately, that's how the pharmaceutical industry, you know, works um so when you're looking at clinics i think looking like similarly to to you know my experience a lot of anesthesiologist offices you know do it does that mean that it's okay or right to do there like they, do they have the training to to help you through this journey a lot of times no uh so if you want to do it in office like try and find somewhere that's doing it that has psychiatrists psychiatrists or mental health professionals uh, don't go to you know to, to that uh, we're doing it online. You know, there's a, there's a handful of companies that are doing it. Like years ago, there was us and one other people, one other person or one other company. Now there's a handful of them. So just making sure, like, read the reviews. You know, Reddit's a good place mm-hmm. to, to to see stuff. Uh, read the reviews because, like, a lot of these companies, you know, they've raised a ton of money. They've spent a ton on, on marketing. And, yeah. uh, you know, and you sign up and they're like, oh, nine weeks from now, you can get in to see a doctor. And... A lot of people that are going through it, you don't have nine weeks to get in to see a doctor. Uh, right. Or you mm-hmm. get the medicine and they're like, here's our you know, program where you press play and, and this is all you get, right? But, but we're dynamic. Like there's no, we all have questions, right? And we all have different questions. It doesn't matter how robust your FAQ library is. You need that one-on-one right. human connection. You need somebody there yeah. holding your hand. And, you know, some people, some people don't, right? Great. But, but a lot of people do. And, and we really want to find a company or find a group that, that, that has that. If you're thinking about doing ketamine therapy and you're listening right now, do a little bit of research. It should be very comforting because there's great research out there. 
in addition to the care that Derek talked about, you know, find the right mental health guidance where you have psychiatrists, they have therapists, they have integrative care. There's also some real life stuff. There's cost, mm-hmm. there's logistics. Mm-hmm, right. And so when it comes to cost, Derek shared when he did his infusion, it was $1,500. Right. How many people can afford to do that once a week, right. twice a week? And so we brought our costs down to almost somewhere between 100 to 150 a wow. session. That hopefully allows people that maybe couldn't afford a thousand dollar treatment. Mm-hmm. There's also, you know, other variants out there. That, uh, bravado is accepted through insurance, mm. and so you know, there are things for people. We when we created this business, we didn't want to only target the affluent. Mm-hmm. Not everybody right. can afford a hundred fifty mm-hmm. treatment either. Right. Know, it's ten percent mm-hmm. of the cost of what the alternative might be. So we want to try to find ways to meet people where they are, and if you have Medicaid. You know, Spravato is a drug that is very similar. There are some differences. You can't really increase the dose to a psychedelic mm-hmm. level, but that option is available and it's helping a lot of people. And the logistics of it. Some people don't feel like going to the office, getting a ride, having mm-hmm. an Uber, going through traffic, being in a cold setting where they don't know people. It's not the most conducive place mm-hmm. for healing for many. We've had so many say to us that what we really appreciate is the ability to do this work at home in the comfort of my own bedroom with the people I love and not have to worry about all of the logistical hurdles. Some people have come to us and said, my home is not a place mm-hmm. for healing. It's very chaotic. May I please come to your office? Even if I want to sign up for the at-home program, and I do my first, second dose in the office and where I just feel like there's a little bit maybe more calm and, mm-hmm. and care. So to each their own. And I would say, if you're thinking about ketamine therapy, Definitely consider giving it a try. Find a good caring facility, whether it's at home or in office. Make sure it's within price range that you can handle. And we have payment plans, you know, as low as 30, 40, 50 a month spread out over time. This might be an option for you, you know, maybe a down payment in addition. And then logistically, you know, we're in about 12 states right now. Hopefully soon we'll be in 2030. California, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, Alaska. Nevada, Colorado, Idaho, Texas, Florida, New York. Uh, We're opening up a lot of other states, Tennessee, Connecticut. So the ability to find the right provider in your state, if we're not in one of your states, you know, see if you have someone local, see if there is another company that can assist. And a lot of this work doesn't have to be done with ketamine. We always say that the most Mm -hmm. gentle introduction to psychedelic therapy is breath work. And so people Come and join our program and learn the breath work. You can learn other holistic modalities as well. Um, So there's a wide range of access, but be confident you have the right care team and make sure you set up the logistics in a way that's conducive to your healing. Mm. Yeah. And we'll have all the links and good info to better you. And hopefully I can even grab a couple of your favorite resources or other research and link it so folks can find out more. I'd love to end it of a little bit of where you both see the future of this field going. Your hopes for it. Yeah, yeah. And we've yeah, been talking yeah. about the spiritual component of where this medicine yeah. will take us. So that's where I think the future is, where we came from with lobotomies and electroconvulsive therapy oh my God. to where we're <laughs> yeah. headed, I think is realizing that we don't know anything about the brain. We're very limited in our mm-hmm. understanding of mm-hmm. why we feel and why we think. The growing understanding of brain science borders our exploration of spirituality and the unknown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we can tap into the potential that there is an ability for the body to heal itself, there is a homeostasis. We are all born and we desire and crave that. If you do nothing 
your body wants to go to homeostasis. If you give it toxins, if you're not sleeping well, if you don't get all of the right daily care, then things can go awry. I think we need to reset the conversation that if there's something wrong with you, then go you know, just take a pill and find a solution versus find a platform that will enhance your self-awareness and increase your ability to connect not only with yourself, but with the unknown factors of healing that We've all seen the documentaries. There are amazing things happening we cannot define or explain scientifically. The placebo effect. You look at an antidepressant oh my God. and all of a sudden you realize yeah. that the antidepressant isn't that much more beneficial than the sugar pill. Why aren't we giving sugar pills to everybody? Why aren't we enhancing? Isn't placebo effect 99% effective? <laughs> like it's right up there, you know? I always say the brain is the only organ we can think our way into changing. Mm. Right? You don't even have yeah. to get on a treadmill. You can just yeah. Just breathe and meditate. And so I think that's the future of mental health and psychiatry and psychedelic medicine is opening the door for us to understand that. And because we have a medical totally. acceptance now that's growing, I don't think it'll be taboo in one or two years to talk to a loved one, to talk to a teenage uh, child and say, you know what, what we've been trying for years hasn't been working. Let's shift our perspective. We're not sick. There's nothing wrong with us. If we neglect ourselves, we can become sick. But for the majority of us, mm -hmm. we're just trying to figure out life best we can, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And if we can tap into the idea that there's something bigger than self at play, then nine times out of 10, that has a healing power. I used to volunteer at a clinic where we actually offered prayer to people. It was non-religious, non-denominational. But at the end, wow. it was free care. It was a free clinic. And at the end, it was, do you want us to pray for you? And I actually saw a woman early as I was a med student when this happened. She came in with chronic knee pain. And what can we do? You know, we, have, we don't have imaging. We don't have surgeons. We're just a free clinic so we can give her some anti-inflammatory medication, teach her some stretches. Afterwards, we asked her, did you want prayer? She was Spanish-speaking, very little English. And she said yes. We huddled around her and prayed for her in English. And all of a sudden, she just started crying waterworks and I'm thinking what did we do wrong uh oh did we like, say the wrong thing and she said to us in Spanish this is the first time I haven't felt my knee pain in years wow. now what is that they didn't teach me that in medical school they didn't teach us that in med mm -hmm. but there's something in the power of love the power of connection the power of optimism this lady felt that there were people who actually cared about her that maybe her future was going to be a little bit brighter than her past was these are the things we want to mm -hmm. tap into and be able to do it from a platform that's medically guided. So we're not just far off the reservation and doing woo-woo things, but mm -hmm. understanding it with a degree of science, but not being neglectful to what we don't understand that can also be healing. Mm -hmm. Dr. Sam, are you a Joe Dispenza or Ram Dass guy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. yeah. It's so powerful. And what yep. we do with ketamine therapy, once people graduate from just the basic understandings, we get into inner child work and ego actualization mm -hmm. and visualizations and manifestations because to conjure it in your brain, you create those neural pathways that then persist and that becomes your subconscious programming as you move forward. Mm -hmm. So this is the advanced part of the work. When people yeah. have done a month or two, we start to really teach some mm -hmm. of those deeper methods. That's our, I gonna say, it's our bread and butter. You guys are going to have to come back and then we're going to get into that at part two. <laughs> Derek, what about you? Yeah, I think uh, Sam, you know, covered, covered uh, a lot of it, but it, it's something where we're seeing such a dramatic shift in, in the United States of gun violence, like, and, and, and these 
hate breeding hate and, and, and crazy laws mm-hmm. like you know, taking us back 50 years for women's rights mm-hmm. for the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community and it's you know it's this, this really really interesting time that we're living in and I, I firmly believe that it doesn't matter who you are right, or what you're where you grew up or what your religious background like if you're connected with yourself you feel compassion for yourself like you're going to feel more connected to the earth you're going to feel more connected to people and understand that that, that feeling of oneness right and we're not like we all look different we all sound different right but we're, we're we're all, you know, we're all connected. And I think that this type of medicine and, and, and in the future, hopefully more medicines will take us farther away from masking the symptoms and really unlock that inner healer and, mm-hmm. and really allows us to step into our own power and figure out our own things and, and navigate. And I think that the future of, of opiate addiction, of Alzheimer's, dementia, like all of these, all these things that are just becoming more and more prevalent and, and there's a big need for for this type of uh, these types of treatments to come to the forefront and and being preventative i wish that we could prescribe you know psychedelics be prescribed for spiritual exploration right and and, mm-hmm. and tapping into mm-hmm. certain things yeah. so a lot of people they said come to us and they're like, i'd never try yoga breath work like that's just breathing right, right? And they yeah. do a session and they're like wow right. let me tap into this and breath work and ketamine therapy is so powerful it, it is it's a game changer looking at it like not just as treating one aspect of it right that Looking at your your you know the the, the sexual health right. Looking at looking mm-hmm. at processing mm-hmm. trauma and a lot of totally. things happen in our lives that we just bury it right and and we're like mm-hmm. oh it's something that happened and, and and really working through that and processing it and like letting it go right. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's yeah there's a lot and I'm really optimistic and really excited for, for the future. Just grateful to to be to be able to share share what we're doing and to be a part of now so many people's healing journey. Totally. I'm just honestly in awe of the two of you. Same. And I know Meadow, I can speak for Meadow and I, we're, we're so grateful for the work that you're doing. And I love your outlook and optimism. And I think that that's something that is so lacking in so many conversations. And like this really opened my eyes to the way in which you all are helping people take their power back yeah. and be in control of their own narrative and in their own life. And I love how much nuance is infused into it. That's something we talk about on the podcast all the time is our healing journey is so not linear. Our mental health is so not black and white. There is a nuance infused in every aspect of our life. And I love how that is. It seems to be, you know, part of your rhetoric as well. So I'm just, I'm very grateful and I'm so excited to, to see where, where the future of this goes. Cause I feel like I got a dose of hope the right today. People. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. even need ketamine. I got a yeah. dose of hope. I feel so good. Thank you guys so yeah. <laughs> much for being here and for sharing everything. It was such a beautiful conversation and I have so many more things to ask you. Didn't you all open a LA spot recently? Did I make that up? <sighs> oh no. Sorry. Are you guys based in LA? She is. I'm, yeah, in, I'm in LA. She's in San Diego. Oh, amazing. Um, yeah, so we had the perfect, most beautiful, everything space. Uh, and uh, last minute, we, we received the keys. Everything was there. It was going to be the beacon of healing in West Hollywood and amazing. Yeah, it didn't, uh, it, we, yeah, it just didn't, didn't come to fruition. So yeah. uh, somebody else came in and said they were going to pay you know, way more than all so we're we're working on the next one. Uh, You're gonna find an even more. It'll like, be even better exactly. when we do open in, in West Hollywood. Like the dream of this, this this place is going to be a couple. I'm not gonna say it until until, until it's open, but a couple of things where you come in to completely reset our, our, your nervous system physically. Take that so no, like no matter what you're going through, 
do you know, a couple of these exercises, then you know, have your talk therapy, your ketamine therapy, vibroacoustic therapy. And no matter what you're going through that day, you come out of there feeling like your, your soul is, is refreshed and, and, and recharged. So that's, that's that the is goal. Amazing. That's the dream. And inviting people to really like fully experience that vast emotional spectrum where they can, they can truly grasp that self compassion and that self-acceptance. Can't wait to see that come to You fruition. let us know when that happens because yeah. we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Awesome. This so is so fun. fun. We learned so much from the both of you. Thanks Thank guys. You. How's it going y'all? It's Aaron. Don't let your Monday suck. Don't have those Sunday scaries. I'm tired of everybody waking up in the week saying, ah, shit, it's Monday. You know what goes down? TMV releases every week on Mondays. Make sure you rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching YouTube, yes, TMV has a YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and ring that noti bell and never miss a thing. And also, join the TMV familia by joining the Thoughts May Vary Patreon and by following at Thoughts May Vary Pod on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you for listening. Great. There you go. Thanks, baby. Gotcha.